0: Timpson has been supporting, promoting and developing screen culture in New Zealand for decades. 25 years ago, he started the Incredibly Strange Film Festival, now part of the international event. Since 2003, he has run the annual 48-hour Furious Filmmaking Challenge, which has helped launch dozens of professional screen careers, including inaugural Wellington winner Taika Waititi. In 2012 he became a producer with the anthology horror film The ABCs of Death and since then his name has been on a diverse bunch of international genre flicks like Turbo Kid and The Greasy Strangler. He's finally made it into the director's chair this year with the black comedy Come to Daddy which premiered at Tribeca earlier this year and gets a New Zealand premiere in Ant's hometown of Auckland in the New Zealand International Film Festival. I spoke to him recently about this transformation into an auteur, but first we had that 25th anniversary to talk about. And Incredibly Strange at 25, I I always thought that the Incredibly Strange Film Festival felt like a rebellious teenager, which means that um, it's now sort of reached middle age. How has the manifesto for Incredibly Strange changed in 25 years?
1: Well, hugely. I mean, you were you were there in the early days, Dan. You remember um, it was sort of devoted to the, very much the sort of B cult film side, the retro programming. So we sort of hit all the um, grand masters like Ed Wood and Russ Meyer and Herschel Gordon Lewis and John Waters. The focus was on um, high profile sort of cult films, and then eventually it started uh, morphing into a lot more recent sort of genre film from around the world and sort of looking at the hot spots that were happening at the time, whether it was Korea or um, France and then Japan, and then eventually once it became under the banner of the International Film Festival, it, w- it really was just all new, no retro at all, apart from the odd title, and it was really just the kind of exciting genre fair that was breaking out of festivals like Cannes and Sundance, and so a lot more respectable <laughs> in its old age.
0: I was going to say that uh, at the very beginning it had a kind of, uh, it, it felt like it had a punk rock kind of ethos, like a, a burn the mainstream down. Sort of you know you were smashing smashing up pianos on stage, as I recall,
1: yeah, all the real punks must be laughing their heads off at that um, at that analogy because I, I, I think <laughs> it was it was um, very much a film geek um, version of what the punk rock ethos is, but we were yeah, we were always giving the finger to what we called the establishment, which was the international Film festival, and there was some good natured um, rivalry. They never sort of uh even um acknowledged the presence but I know that Bill um found it all quite amusing, the old Bill Gosden, the fest director. Um and yeah, we made we used to burn effigies of of the of the Big Brother film festival in on Courtney Place in Wellington and yeah, we smashed the piano on, on stage.
0: It's fifteen years since you and Bill together brought the Incredibly Strange into the New Zealand International Film Festival family. I was amazed at that when I when I saw that that number, because that means that it's been with New Zealand International Film Festival for longer than it was not. And um, what difference did that make to um, the philosophy? Did you feel like your style was ever being cramped by that? Or did you find that there was a competition um, between you and the other programmers for films?
1: No. I mean, I was really given carte blanche to go as wild and crazy as I wanted to be. And in fact, there was more... um when you look back at the films uh, it 's definitely moved away from that kind of ultra underground. The films are still brand new in the festival like they 're still hot like the t- the titles we got out of Cannes, like they haven 't played in any uh, any other festivals yet so they kind we are the sort of first audiences outside of Cannes, which is exciting for these sort of films, but they're also it's a worry because they don't uh, there hasn 't been like the logical build up of awareness where everyone looks to the u s you know once they start doing their um their assets and their sort of um p r machine then it filters down through the net, and everyone gets a sense of like what the new hot titles are, but we we get them so quick some of them that we have to try and stoke the fire ourselves. How much do you have to choose
0: from in order to be able to sort of distill it down to the nine or ten
1: that you get to choose each year well there you know there are titles that in the past that um we've both gone after, <laughs> and so that that overlap is 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 far more apparent these days than there used to be like there were i see films in the in the main program that could easily be under the umbrella of of the section that i program and vice versa
0: does that mean that you think that there's there's a gap in the market for an incredibly incredibly strange um sort of micro festival do, do, is, do you think that there, there's the material there for that
1: well an, an old friend of um, of ours uh, mike who used to help me out with the what is strange throughout the whole years he always, when, once I joined the big fest. He said, "I'm going to start the awfully odd <laughs> festival as a as a renegade <laughs> project because you've sold out completely." Um, one, I mean, I always thought that we should have been running an underground film festival that ties in with the network of underground festivals because there's a lot of independent New Zealand films that don't get any that are made and just end up on shelves and they don't ever get a screening in front of an audience, which is a real shame.
0: Tell us a little bit about the um, the two can titles um, because. Uh, by their very nature, they're 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 red hot at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, Deerskin, we've sort of got a history of that. I played um, Quentin Dupieux. He's done a he's done a history of sort of very um, unique. Films. He doesn't make a lot, but each one is very distinct and uh, reflective of his vision and his personality. So his new one is called Deskin, and it stars um, Jean de Jardin, who was the actor. I think he was nominated, wasn't he, for an Oscar? I think so. For for the artist. Um, And so seeing him in this oddball, very unusual um, film is is a real highlight. But it's very. It's you know. It's about him as a as a man who falls in love with a desk and jacket, and to kind of (laughs) reveal any more will spoil the fun for the audiences, but it's a very racy 77 minutes, um, and it's full of that very quirky Gaelic uh, sort of humour that he brings to it.
0: Before we move on to your film, I just want to ask you one more question about um, this year's um, incredibly strange lineup. Can you identify one film that you think is the closest to the to um, the the original sort of mm. mission of of the festival?
1: That's a very good question, Dan. And I, I would, to be honest, I'd say the only thing would be Violence Voyager. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> closest in spirit, which is the most unusual animation um, animated film that uh, I've played, and I played a few back in the in um, the incredibly strange days as well. But this is way crazier than anything that we've ever programmed in the festival. Um, it's, and the style of animation, for people who remember Clutch Cargo, we're going back to Clutch Cargo days where you have a lot of of cardboard animation in terms of um, thousands and thousands and thousands of these things built for the film. It was all planned out in advance. It took a long time, a lot of years to do it, and then it's all done with um, in-camera techniques. It's really um, somewhat extraordinary but kind of befuddling for the first time you're watching it and you're you're trying to get your head around like, oh, my God, this is like – the whole film is going to be like this. This is insane. Um, And then the story itself starts to go off the rails and, you know, what you think, uh, it starts off at like a famous Eden Blyton kind of vibe. It suddenly becomes this (laughs) very – warped and crazed and perverted um, animated film. So it's, yeah, it was really exciting in the way that, unlike anything else I'd seen for, for a long, long time. Well, in fact, it's unlike anything I've seen, to be honest.
0: Let's talk about your film now, Come to Daddy. Debut feature film. Yes. After so many years um, on the showmanship side of the business and on the production side of the business, um, do you wish you'd directed earlier?
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I did start off, you know, making home movies like a lot of people do, um, grabbing my brother and friends and going out and shooting things. So I had that sort of ethos, which the guerrilla style, which sort of transformed into what Forty Eight Hours is. But I, I, I applied for grants and made my, you know, pretentious black and white shorts like you're supposed to do. So I, I did did that, and then it was going to progress, and um, but I didn't. I went into a cocoon and started working on. fulfilling other people 's dreams, which was great. I was getting a sort of um, you, know, uh, um, a re- you know, a release th- through their their passion and their enthusiasm. I was sort of like part of that whole journey, which was exciting and fun and watching new voices come out but it, eventually I, I was just like I came to a point a crux of, and it happened when after my father died, I just suddenly it was just like a, you know get trying or get dying basically so it was a, a huge charge and a wake up that I felt like. I'm going to do something that's going to be for him, for his memory, it's going to be a film like we used to watch together, um, these crazed British thrillers that I grew up with. Um, and so that was really the kickstart of, like, let's get it done, you're not, you know, you you might be the oldest director for a debut feature film, but um, that's not bad. <laughs> Never too late. <laughs> I'll take that. The idea was came after spending a, a week in a house with my dad's corpse, actually, so I went through a grieving process with him coming back after an Embarment and it was quite a very surreal, strange, cathartic experience for me. And then from that, as I do think about everything in a, in cinematic terms, I started thinking um, after that experience, I was like, first of all, I wanted to, to do something that was kind of like a permanent testament to him and why, and my love of film, which I grew up watching stuff with him as well, so... The idea of, like, why – let's use that as a sort of starting point, a structure of, like, um, where could we take this? So I had this sort of skeleton idea that I went to the writer, Toby, who I worked with before and said this is the sort of guts of something that I think could make a film. And then he took that and ran away and came back with a much broader canvas and more ideas and more characters and – and I was like, this is fantastic, but it's it's not something I can shoot in weekends. So it's like, this is, this is, but it's a really good script. And I sent it to Elijah Wood, who I'd been working with on a previous film, and we're kind of old mates as well. And when we were doing the script, I always thought, you know, Toby and I felt like, Elijah would be really good for this part. And so it, it was a big, big risk um, putting all the eggs into that. Elijah Wood, basket, but he just totally flipped for it. I remember he got back within like seconds after reading it and was like, "I love it, and I'm into it." And then everyone else started. The producers came on board, and it took off from there. But he was really the sort of the impetus of it actually becoming a very real thing.
0: Is that what is that what it is for you now? Are you just going to be a director and uh, and just chuck chuck the rest of it and just follow that dream?
1: Well, I think it's 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 very hard to. To pull the plug and say that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to focus on that. I think I've always um, I don't know because the films take so long to get up and running. I think it would be naive to think I can just sort of hang my hat up on everything else I'm involved with and and wait for the next project to get running so I'll, I'll probably continue as is um, and work on I'm working on another project with the same writer. Um, and then that 's going to be the focus. I have no interest in receiving scripts from outside to look at directing that doesn 't interest me at all it 's got to come from from something that i 'm personally attached to in some respects so uh, yeah I feel like um if I do it again it 's going to they 'll all play into some sort of personal psyche that 'll that 'll make sense after um after a trilogy dysfunctional family <laughs> trilogy has been made, um, and then and then uh, that'll be it. But yeah, I don't know.
0: Just so you know, if you want to impress me, I like fight stories. Ever been in a fight? No, I have. I once accidentally kicked the guy's ear off. I didn't mean to, but the fucker flew off. I could see right into his skull.
1: I'm addicted. I'm, I'm in love with with it again, with the film on a whole new level, you know, because um, I've just been super fortunate and privileged to be able to to work in, and play in this industry for as long as I have. I just, you know, I love film. It's quite... It's, Probably quite obvious for most people who who know me um, uh, that that it's probably the only thing I can do as well. Come to Daddy has its premiere at the Civic on the 26th of July,
0: and then plays in other New Zealand International Film Festival centres. Check the website for details of when it's coming to your town.